Mutability. Welcome to Nature's Lead. This is a podcast available at naturesleadcom that both examines and inspires a certain approach towards life that is based both on personal philosophies and on the writings of people such as Emerson and Thoreau. Please send any feedback to info at naturesleadcom or drop a comment onto the blog at naturesleadcom or even onto iTunes or wherever you get the feed from. And if you're new to the podcast, I encourage you to listen to any prior episodes to get a better feel for things. This is Series 1, Episode 7, Title, The Greatest Known Fact. Alright, welcome again. Today's topic sounds like the last booth in the back row of the county fair, where a woman would be hovering over a crystal ball promising the key to life for only five bucks. Actually, it refers to my favorite quote of all time, and it happens to be by Thoreau. I'll talk about that quote and how valuable and crucial it is in our lives, and I'll also use this topic to talk a bit about the wonderful idealism inherent in the romantics. So we'll get to that in a second. But first, today's random window. What do you think the most beautiful thing in nature is? Now, there's no right answer. Everyone has their own favorite thing in the world. For me, it's the tree. The tree is both powerful and delicate, blunt and intricate, large and small, noisy and quiet. Trees I could look at all day, and have on occasion. Together, trees dance and jostle like wind-painted music as they rise above your eyes and fill half the sky with the movement of giants. Alone, a tree stands in the middle of an open field, the first to be greeted by dawn's crackling glance and the last to cool down from the afternoon's grizzled gaze. On to the main topic, the greatest known fact. This is a quote to live by. It's very personal in the sense that I never ever hear anyone quoting it. I found it in a book once, and that's the only time I've ever seen or heard it. So I feel like it's mine to a certain extent. I guess it's that way with a lot of things I found in literature, though. I personalize the connection very much. Literature makes you feel that way. You, you're experiencing it alone in your own unique way. So with everything I share, it's a bit difficult since I've personalized this stuff and kept it tight for so many years. I know what you're thinking. Would you please, for the love of Pete, just give me the quote? Okay, so here it is, a quote by Thoreau. I know of no more encouraging fact than the unquestioned ability of a man to elevate his life by conscious endeavor. It's a bit thick, so let me say it again. I know of no more encouraging fact than the unquestioned ability of a man to elevate his life by conscious endeavor. To not down to every man English so we can more easily consume it, he's saying this, the most encouraging fact in life is that we can each elevate our lives simply by consciously deciding to do so. Now that, to me, is simply beautiful. It sums up both the power and elegance of the human condition. Elevating our lives, changing our state for the better, it's all under our control. We can decide to become better people and then act on that decision. Isn't that what all life comes down to? Isn't that what you and I come down to? Every step we've taken to change who we are during our time here is all wrapped up into our current living reality. We're simply a big package of endeavored elevations, 
from our first steps as a child to our learning of Portuguese. It's all in there. We're nothing without change, as I described in To Change is to Live. And we're also nothing without the conscious decisions to better ourselves, to elevate our lives. Now, I'm not one of those who goes around throwing memorized standalone quotes out left and right. I only know a few, ones that I care deeply about. But this particular one, for me, is the essence of life itself. This is the driving definition of why we're here, why I'm here, why I feel purpose and energy in each day. Personally, I want to sustain that desire to elevate my life forever. The day that fades, I'm sure, is the day I close my eyes for good. This uplifting line is also representative of the wonderful idealism that is one of the central themes of the Romantics. I gravitated to the Romantics in part for this reason. If you're going to adopt a philosophy towards life, or you're going to dive into stories and ideas that comment on the world, why not strive for the ideal? Why not look to how things should be? Certainly dealing with reality and all the bad in the world is necessary, but I feel like those things can only be handled appropriately when an ideal state or way of thinking has been established. It's like having a goal. At work, a project has a goal, and it's the goal that drives the project. Once the goal is established, the current reality of the business is then attacked. But it's attacked in such a way that every move brings the project closer to its goal. And if the company is well advanced, all the projects themselves are adhering to a larger vision, the ultimate goal that drives the company. Now that nirvana may never be reached, but by establishing the ideal state as a part of everyone's mindset, then a clear path can be followed on every move made, whether big or small. That's the way I approach my own life. I am always looking at the ideal state of who I want to be, of what the types of things I want to be doing are, and of what kind of accomplishments I want to achieve while I'm here. Then, with every decision I have to make, big or small, I measure it against those ideals. I know nothing novel here when it comes to approaches towards life, but what is novel is how the ideal is being reached, in part, every day for me. The ideal should be intimately intertwined with how we approach each moment of our day. This is what is so powerful about the Romantics. They are talking about things that affect each day, things that can be done each day. Our mind, when wrestled away from the grand design of thought that our society has laid out for us, has the ability to see the ideal in the everyday. Thoreau saw the ideal in living deliberately next to Walden Pond in a small dwelling. Wordsworth saw the ideal in the dancing daffodils in the Lakes District of Northern England. And many other romantics saw the ideal in things that so many people choose to, or simply have learned to, ignore and dismiss. So to me, the ideal exists all around us. The ideal is not something unattainable and the pointless product of wistful imagination. The ideal is a state of mind that is real and anything in conflict with that is simply roughened terrain for us to figure out how to traverse. But to sustain that state of mind, to continue to recognize and gather up pieces of the ideal each day, we need to remember that quote by Thoreau. The ideal is an active pursuit. We need to forever elevate ourselves. We need to daily prove out the greatest known fact. That brings us to a close. So until next time, I wish you well. And don't forget to follow nature's lead.